You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as I can go to this wonderful podcast and join me on the other line because he felt an overarching desire to join me on my usual <laughs> solo post-game shows, Mr. Tony East. Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Adam. I just watched the Pacers tear up the Charlotte Hornets in uh, a way you'd expect the Pacers to tear up the Charlotte Hornets. So I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to talk about some basketball games. Yeah, so we're going to break down the Pacers' 116-106 win over the Hornets. Uh, give you everything we can tell you from that game. Um, everything from Sabonis' triple-double to McDermott's 28 points. And then we're going to end the show talking about Aaron Holiday, something we both want to talk about for a little while. I think on our weekly show Monday, I said, let's give it a week, but we're going to jump the gun and do it after three <laughs> days. So uh, let's start with, I think Sabonis is the place to start in this game. Um, I know you didn't yeah. score the most points in the team, but I think he had the best game. You can kind of throw him back to this kind of a throwback game for him where he is just like super efficient. Um, you look at some of his like first couple years of the Pacers, he had a bunch of these games where he was like eight of eight or 11 of 12 or the kind of, like that tonight, he was nine of ten. His only missed shot was a three pointer. He was really, um, I guess, whoever would be picky with his shots he took. A lot of times, he was just trying to, you know, draw the doubles and kick it out and whatnot. And it was his second show double of the year. He should it should have been his third, but he got one taken away from him basically last Friday. But uh, he's pretty much been on a tear despite a minor knee bump, I guess, the way you everyone call it. Yeah, the the knee, the sore knee from the Raptors game did not slow him down. He was. Game time decision basically still played 37 minutes, which is a little crazy, but whatever it is, what it is. Um, we talked about this early in the week when we were discussing the Hornets. They gave up the most assists in the NBA. They are, their team defense is not very good. Lo and behold, Mr. Creator Hub man, Demonza Sabonis, picks them apart. They did an okay job actually like throwing guys at Sabonis and maybe some injury factors here, but he only took 10 shots, right? They, they actually did an okay job of like preventing him from – getting a lot of shots. I think he averages closer to 15. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but they held him to 10 shots, but he didn't carry it, right? Like the McDermott, who had a fantastic game, was cutting off of him like crazy. Brogdon was hitting the threes and he would pop away from him. He had a few assists to Justin Holiday, who had a scorching hot first quarter. I mean, he was just setting up everybody because the Hornets were so lasered in on him and their team defense just isn't very solid. And you got to have better team defensive principles. You got to have your eyes up head on a swivel against Sabonis. If you don't, you'll see what happens. And tonight the Hornets uh, learned the hard way what happens. Yeah, I mean, he is, I believe, up to about 20 and a half points per game now. Um, he made, he made the lead. He played like 12 minutes in. Yeah, including that. And so, you know, we're about a quarter in. And, and to me, I think it's, it's fair to say he, he kind of made the little leap that we both thought he would, I think it's fair to say, right? We thought he would become a little bit better scorer and a little bit better passer. Uh, and he sort of made that, and they're taking more threes. I mean, tonight he was—I think he was two or three from three. Um, he's had some not great nights, but just taking them is the first step in his progression. But uh, he's sort of becoming like kind of Jokic light for this team, um, and I think you can see that through somebody like McDermott. Who, I mean, could you imagine Nate McMillan game where McDermott take twenty-two shots? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> I mean only five threes to, of the, yeah. There'd have to be like I don't know how many injuries, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there are there are still a few, so that makes sense. But like, it, he would have to be like. I mean, you just have the starting lineup just like not playing for, and it has to be like the best players were going to get twenty-two shots last year. This year, it seems like it's kind of happened a couple other times almost. Yeah, Miles Bridges defended like, like he had like blinders on next to his eyes or something. Like everything outside of his straight-ahead vision, he just couldn't see. McDermott just back cut that poor dude to death, and 
ran around screens, had easy drives. 22 shots for McDermott sounded cr- like, you know, it's funny. I tweeted this after the game. Like I try not to look at the box scores during the game anymore. I think they kind of dictate too much of my opinion of what's happening. I do a little bit I for think- like rebounds stuff like that just to see where they're at. But I, but I, I get what you mean. Yeah. So McDermott, I didn't even realize he had 28. Like I didn't even realize he took 22 shots. Like everything just felt so natural. And the way he normally plays is like he, you know, he scores off of other guys. So he's never like, you know, he's doing a lot of work to get the bucket, but it's not like, Oh, McDermott is, is balling. That's always like, Oh, Sabonis is hubbing or something like that. Like I didn't even realize he took 22 shots. So I was like, Oh, Brogdon and Sabonis were awesome. And then I realized like, wow, McDermott was also spectacular in this game. Like he was only one for five from three. So in my, you know, the things you expect him to do, you just, in my head, he, I didn't realize how good he was in this game, but you know, that's how, that's how subtle he was. And, and if I'm thinking like that as a viewer, you have to think that, I mean, they're NBA players, obviously their view of the game is different than mine, but had to feel kind of methodical to guys, like I said, like Bridges or like Malik Monk, who, when they were out there, just continuously kept losing him and letting him, you know, slip to the basket for these easy layups. Or I think he had three dunks in this game, uh, some nice drives, right? The Hornets announcers gave him credit for looking bouncy, looking extra bouncy in this game. He was really fantastic as well. I love how you watch the Hornet broadcast. Like, I mean, everybody's pocket. There's maybe not everyone, but I would guess everybody's listening to the show right now does know the Hornet broadcast, the Patriots broadcast for sure. Like, I, I love how so you guys do that. With absolutely no offense to Chris Quinn and JJ and Pat and all those guys in the Fox Sports, they're fantastic. I talk to them in person all the time at games when I can. I just like learning about the other team, so I turn tune into the opposing team's broadcast. Right there now. was a funny moment today where I think uh, basically Chris rounded up like supposed to the percentage of seventy percent or almost, and Quinn was like, "Why didn't you say his percentage?" He's like, "Well, it's sixty-nine. And he went, "Oh, okay," <laughs> and then we moved on. There's always I just there's always this funny moment. That's why I like that I like their broadcast personally. Um, yeah. So last year Sabonis had so double did a shot attempts last year. He reached there nineteen times. So far this year in 17 or 18 games, he's 10, 10 times, right? I mean, it's just, it's wow. a totally different system right now. I mean, I he, he definitely didn't shoot more than 20 last year ever, I don't think. Um, I had it up for a second. It's uh, the threes. You brought up the threes earlier. In, in his first year with the Pacers, he took 37. In his second year, he took 17. He's already at 43 this year. So he'll, he, and he made, he's made 15 this year. His career high makes with the Pacers was last year at 17. So he's going to just smash his old three-point numbers. Even though they're still a low percentage, right? He missed like, I think, 13 or 14 in a row between the Pelicans game and uh, I want to say the Mavs. Uh, you know, even though there was that that slowness for him, he, he still, like you said, the taking is the first step to eventually making. I still am not thrilled by them, but you know what? If you make two or three, you're allowed to do it. Yeah, he also, I mean, think about it. He was 11 of 17 on two-point shots. That's like an actually yeah. insane percentage for a guy that's not necessarily like you know, a two-point two point shooter. I mean, right? I mean, he's having – I think the best way to say is McDermott's having a very, very good contract year. Yeah. Well, let's flip it to the last guy I think we have to – I can't believe we've gone this far without barely talking about Brogdon, who, once again, just dominating offense, hitting his pull-up threes at an insane rate this he's, year, four for seven from deep side. He's picking his spots better, I thought, this game than he yeah. had been in the past. He's had the best couple games really felt that way. Before, I felt like he said he was forcing things. He feels like he's picking when to go and want to go. Him and Bjorkren are just tight. They've got this connection, and Brogdon's just ripping these threes. So four for seven tonight. He had 25 points, seven rebounds, six assists. I mean, the, the, I'll, I'll talk about all-star stuff tomorrow. I have a full segment dedicated to him. But, yeah, the, the day that all-star voting is announced to start, Savonis has a triple-double, and Brogdon has 25, seven, and six. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to state their cases, that's for sure. Yeah, the problem is the East is freaking loaded. Well, one of the guys they're competing with was on the other team and only had uh, 16 points. So, yeah, I mean, from that, right, the Pacers, the thing about so with, with Brogdon, what like I said, 
to me, the issues with him this year have been the sense that he's been like taxed, right? I felt like they were playing him too many minutes, and then you could see he had kind of like dead legs in him, and then games where he's shorting a bunch of things. Um, but I felt like the past couple of games after that really off game against Toronto on Sunday, I thought Monday and tonight he did a better job of he's picking his spots offensively. Like he's just not, you know, like he's like forcing a ton of stuff. He's willing to defer to Lamb at times, letting things run through Sabonis, which is kind of the more efficient way at times because Sabonis just gets easier shots because he's, you know, three people in the hoop and not being double teamed or not being, you know, guys hanging off him in the same way as yep. Brogdon is at times. And so I like that right now from him. And I thought, I just thought, you know, tonight, I think he started off like at, I want to say he made his first four or five shots tonight, and it felt like, you know, I was like, oh, we're going to see a 30-point Brogdon game. And then he ended up didn't, he didn't kind – of, they kind of held him out in that fourth quarter because they were playing so well off the bench for a little while and waited to about six minutes left, so he never really got a huge fourth quarter out of him. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just like every single night that you can bank on it 20, 20 points, eight and eight, basically. And tonight it was 27 yeah. and six. Yeah, super con- – like the fact that he's been this good and it's been consistent and he's played every game is, is the bigger part, right? Like his highs were clearly this high last year. He was injured a lot and was more inconsistent this year. It's all just been outside of that Raptors game Sunday, which inspired a, a whole talk from him and Bjorken about how they had a conversation about that game and what it means going forward. Outside of that one game, it's just been constant Brogdon dominance all season. Yeah, so let's do this. Let's take one more break, or our first break, I guess, and let's talk about <laughs> some of the other guys on the team, including like Goga, McConnell, and uh, Justin Holiday. Well, had, I thought had pretty good nights. Um, but first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. You go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake pads, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. And choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are reliably low and the same professionals can do yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same part? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on, and they had to hear about a section so they know that we sent you. Main selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So, Tony, uh, I think this caught you off guard when we were talking about it before the show, but you did not know that McConnell and uh, Brogdon are basically the best net rating lineup on the Pacers app this season. Those two and him and Turner, right, are the two yeah. big ones. Yeah. Yeah, Brogdon-McConnell being the, the duo before the game was just surprising to me. I mean, not that, like McConnell and Brogdon have both been really good. I just didn't expect it. But uh, right now that group in 128 minutes with those two on the floor, they've outscored opponents by 37 points on ridiculous offense, 320 points on 261 possessions. Are you good at math, Adam? You know what that offensive rating is? Wait, what? You, well, I have it up on NBA.com. I don't even need the math oh. in my head. Uh, the 122.6. Offensive... Gross. Yeah. Insane. Uh, I so, can't believe yeah. they fit that well. It makes a lot of sense. Like we all, we've talked about for forever. Like Brogdon is really good off ball. Like maybe Debo can play some point guard, but when those two are out there and McConnell is just spitting fire with passes and flying around like a maniac, I mean, they, they, just, they just create offense from nothing from everywhere all the time. Yeah. He's there. There are plus 15 net rating to do them together. And then McConnell, oh, wow. the best lineup right now after tonight's game is McConnell and Turner who are plus 22 net rating. Um, the I mean, McConnell-Turner group, Adam, defensive rating of 91.5. Yeah. Insane. Just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's – some of that is obviously just – it's probably the right moment turning the court with the bench and he gets to play against lesser whatever players. But um, McConnell-Brogdon one I think is an interesting one because we saw them close tonight with that lineup. And I think – They have a few times, yeah. Yeah, they have – this is not the first time we've seen that. And I, and I think it's interesting because you and I both would have said, like, maybe McConnell – 
ends up being the odd man out in any rotation, right? I mean, there's a chance considering how many guards they had. Now, obviously, there's injuries and whatnot, so it doesn't really matter at this point. But, like, there was a chance, you know, you could see a Sumner to play at McConnell and whatnot. But it's amazing how useful McConnell's made himself in this offense and how he's starting to take a three. He's taking two threes now. Missed one, made one, I think. Um, but he's slowly, like, I feel like starting to inch his way into maybe being, like, the most – kind of most critical bench player with the current duration of the team because so many of the different guys are starting. Like, Dermot is starting at times, and so is Justin Holiday. So McConnell's becoming kind of the most important piece. Because we saw when they didn't have him that one week for three or four games, they struggled on, on the bench to get any points. I mean, it just it's so hard without his passing and then his, you know, getting the occasional steal here or there to get an extra two or three points easily. The, the, I think the rim, rim, rim style of Bjorkren kind of helps McConnell in the way that, you know, first of all, there's no assisted, like, 18 footers anymore so it's easier for him to get assists and, and improve those numbers but also like team's game plan to just really clamp down on the basket and since mcconnell's just all energy all drives all speed go 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 all the time he gets in the paint and the teams you know execute their game plan clamp up on the rim and then there's a thousand open shooters and he's a genius and just finds them all the time and he's really like the ball pressure suits him well on defense. He's all, he did that anyway. He did that under the under McMillan. So now that it's encouraged and there's the proper system behind him to you know fix it if he messes up or you know whatever. It, it just it, the 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 aggressive and disruptive style as Bjorkman called it before the season really suits his play style. And the fact that he's playing with Brogdon, which is a good fit. You know we didn't see that a lot a lot last year. Um, that, the fact that that's happening more, I think Mark Monty, he used to write for Pacers.com. He tweeted one time during last season. He said, I think there something like, there must be a clause that says TJ McConnell can't close games or something like that. And Bjorker in this year is just like, all right, I'm putting him in whatever lineup I want. And if, if I need energy, he'll close games, whatever. And it's been great. He's fit really well with a lot of groups. He looks great in this system. And I agree with you that I would have at one point thought he was the odd man out for like an Aaron holiday, Jeremy lamb bench backcourt. But uh, no, that is no longer the case. He yeah, they, has to play. They, yeah, he has to be their bench point guard. I mean, yep. they have they have no they have no way to move the ball if they don't have him there. Unless they unless like Karis LeVert, if he comes back eventually this year, it can be the guy. But um, so other guys to shout out real fast. Uh, Justin Holiday obviously had a pretty good night, nineteen points. He did foul out, but I don't think that's like a disappointing thing. I feel like that's sort of what you expect from the guy who's guarding Gordon Hayward or you know the other team's best player most of the night. It feels like they they throw him on those guys. He's done that. I think this his second foul in the last two weeks. Uh, he had 19 points, like I said. Uh, you had Jeremy Lamb, who had three points. Not a great net for him, but I think you give him a pass. You know, probably his first bad game since his return from injury. Uh, and then Miles Turner had fouled up a little early. Didn't have a great, like, offensive night, but still uh, just forced around the, the rim and just all kinds of stuff. He had which game with five blocks and continues to be a pest for guys. I mean, you go you go up and down the Hornets lineup, and most of their, their guards who were either live at the three of the rim were not very good around the rim. I mean, you know, you had I – think, I think Graham ended up – Making no shots around the rim, Rogier made. I think was five of. I think he was five of nine. Looks like around the rim, and then um, uh, Hayward ended up being about five of. I think five of ten. So, yeah, they did a good job defending all those guys. Justin Holiday was awesome, awesome on Hayward in most of this game, and Justin Holiday really got him going. I think he hit three threes in the first quarter. Right, that was a big momentum grabber for them. They were up seventeen points. I mean, really, to be fair. They kind of got carried by their first quarter. Like, I think they got outscored over the last three quarters combined. No, they outscored the final quarter. They lost by 13 in the second and tied. I meant combined, like, from end of first to the end of the game. I think. Yeah, well, they were up 17 and they were only – Exactly. You are right on that sense, yes. So, so that momentum from from that big first quarter was really important. And uh, Justin Holliday deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, Turner's defense, again, good. And 
I'm I'm sad that Turner had a lot of fouls, and Sabonis ended that way too while they were hammering his triple double in the fourth quarter. Um, but we saw Goga for ten minutes in this one, and this this game kind of was like the proof to me that they can fit Goga in while both centers are healthy. But yeah. I think that Turner's foul trouble actually made it so that Turner was the one who lost minutes when I think normally that would not be the case. I could be wrong about that, right? Sabonis still did play 37 minutes with a banged-up knee. But they found, you know, I don't think it was very hard. They pretty easily found a way to get Goga playing time with both centers healthy. And that is an encouraging sign to me because I don't think he'll play 11 minutes uh, all the time, you know, with these two bigs in front of him who are really good. But they found a way to get him on the floor to develop uh, even with both guys healthy, which I thought was important. I think that's the first time they've really gone for that in the game. Yeah, and Goga had two blocks, two assists, and four rebounds in 11 minutes. That's that's, a, that's not bad. I mean, he wasn't no. he was only one of four, but like sometimes it'll fall. Some, some days, some nights it will, and some nights it won't. Um, but if he can do the other stuff, I think the thing about Turner that impressed me the most is that he's playing with his wrap on his right hand. Like he had he had some he had one amazing block of Bismack Biombo where he sent that thing just like it was just like they went for like either like a, a, a like a lazy layup or I don't know what he was trying to do and Turner just sent that thing back. Um, yeah. And I would, I mean, that's, and that might be why Turner also maybe playing a little less minutes because Sabonis did say after the game when he had his interview with JJ that he was not playing with any pain because he would not, he was not going to play through pain this best early on basically right. in the season. So I doubt, you know, I, I don't think, like, I don't think Sabonis playing 37 minutes is that big of a deal because I think he wasn't that hurt, I guess maybe. I think they, maybe he didn't play as much that on Monday because out of precautions kind of thing. But I wonder if he like it was just more of that than like he was really badly hurt because he hasn't he didn't seem to be affected at all. It might have just been a you know a bump and they didn't want to. No, I just think thirty seven. I think thirty seven minutes well, is too much for healthy players. Yeah, I mean, okay, you get me on there. In general, yes, you are right. I mean, he's Injury playing. Be damned. Play Goga for uh, play Goga for he, he, more. He's no longer leading the league in minutes because he's no longer bolded on on on, on the b ball. Hey, I wonder who Pat. Probably because he didn't play a lot on uh on, on Monday. Yeah. Hey, why he played thirty seven tonight? Um, so it, I guess. Before we talk about Aaron, Aaron Holiday with Goga, right? You you've been the big advocate of him playing minutes. I mean, I think he's he's starting. I mean, I was right. He's starting to look like an NBA player. If that makes sense, right? Last year he was getting there, but I I was still kind of like, well, what is he, right? This year you're starting to see, you know, he's a guy who can be the kind of facilitating passer on the top of the key, make a three here, get, you know, has pretty nice hands, so he can you know get a shot here. Like I think on Monday he had a really nice over the like over his head shot that he made. Uh, and he's like trying to kind of mimic some of Turner's defense, right? That's what I mean. That's a very pacer center thing, right? You see it from Roy Hibbert. Yeah. You know, Roy Hibbert did it for a little while. Like they got Mahimi to do it. Like this kind of like just go vertical center who just challenge guy at the rim, right? And you're starting to see that. But is there anything more you want to see from him? Uh, the block was he had a I forget who it was on today. Uh, he had a block on I think PJ Washington. That was like the most verticality I've seen from him on a block in his career, right? He looks. Like you said, you know, the leaf comparisons are not very good for many no, I mean, but the athleticism we see from like Gogum. Wingspan's got to be like 10 feet tall at some point. <laughs> yeah, he got up on that one. He can get so high. He's no, I want him awful. to be – sh- I want him to hit threes. Um, yeah. in, and I watched a lot of his Euro film, and you can even look up the stats. Like, he could shoot overseas. That was a big appeal of him in the draft process, and that hasn't been a thing yet in the NBA. I think he's like 8 for 45 or 46 or something so far in the NBA. That's not good. Like – there, there's no two ways about yeah, it. I don't think he's made a three this season yet. He has not. So the thing with Leaf, remember, is he hit a lot of his first 40-something threes, and everyone's like, wow, this dude's so obviously a stretch four. And then he wasn't. He couldn't make threes for his life his next two seasons. 
So you're right. Like, let's not freak out about 40 whatever attempts. Like, we, yeah, we go saw have 14 shots this year. I'm not even sure that's even a statistical sample size. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but but I wanted to see Goga's threes develop because I can tell his defensive instincts are there, even if he's a step slow because he's not like a fast person. Like, he's usually in the right spot. And he didn't set good screens in this Hornets game. I actually noticed a few actively bad screens again, but he's set better screens in general this season than he did last year, right? Like, he's picking up all the center skills and the NBA speed and of the game and stuff. He just keep getting faster, hit those threes and, and it'll, it'll come. And I think what we've seen is the last two games that he's played in, he played fine or pretty good, even not p- pretty good to stretch, but like fine for the role he has. Yeah. And they need, and they just need to keep doing that. Right. The Clippers game, he was bad. And then last two, he was fine. Like keep giving him minutes, get him through this fine stretch and see what you got with the guy. Yeah. And in the Pacers, I mean, like I said, are, are kind of a center factory. I mean, they, yep. they consistently, I mean, you can go back to like Rick Smith and Jermaine O'Neal, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, I mean, they, yeah. they seem to always have a de- like a decent center. Right? I know O'Neal's a power forward, but he would have been center nowadays game. And that was the kind of back then power forwards played like centers do now, basically. But um, yeah, I mean, they're, they just have a history of developing center. So, and they've, they're starting to make two centers work if they could get him in a, and, you know, maybe not, it'll probably be another season or two, but to somehow fit with Sabonis and Turner two on the court as well. I mean, that that's sort of a like next level chess move, I guess, if that makes sense. That would be very helpful. Although him and – neither him and Turner nor him and Sabonis, like, make sense in my head. But I, but I think – so him and Sabonis, Cook, I think he, he can do the same that's thing. That's funny. I was thinking more Turner. That's interesting. Well – Okay, so neither are like awesome. No, no. Neither well, it's because it's because Goga isn't awesome. It's because if Goga was really awesome, they would fit. They would make it. Yeah, yeah. Well, right? We're seeing that with I, Turner's bonus right now. They're both playing so well they fit together. Um, I guess I feel like Goga does more of what Turner does than what Sabonis does. But I guess he has a little bit of Sabonis' type of passing, but he has more of the Turner like the defense and offensive shooting. I guess. I think defensively the fit's better with Sabonis for the reasons you are describing, but I think offensively the fit's better with Turner just for spacing and yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to shoot the three; it helps. Yeah, but maybe at most give him two to five minutes. Well, and and, and you need if you play with Turner, you need somebody because Turner's not the best screener. You need somebody to set the screen go at can. Yeah, or that was the biggest problem with Turner in the bubble is that he was kind of throwing to set screens, just not very good at it. Not the way, at least not the way Sabonis can screen and roll and all that kind of stuff he can make. It's not the same. So, anyways, um, okay. Let's take one more break, and then I think we both want to talk about Aaron Holiday and what can be generously said as his struggles. But first, today's Locked On Pacers Pockets is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is your sports book experts, and with football season coming to an end, you can bet right now on that website for the Super Bowl this weekend, or I'm not this weekend, sorry, two weekends from now. And right now, if you look at the odds on their site, you can, pick, you can get the Kansas City with three and a half points, or you can be at the money line, minus 175. I'm a big fan of the Chiefs. I think, I mean, as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy, they seem like they're unstoppable, and I despise Tom Brady. That's a bet I would recommend, but I'm uh, not professional better, so maybe don't always listen to me. And if you go to, if you go to betonline.ag right now, use promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you get a 50% welcome bonus. Go to betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline is your sports, books, online experts. And today's Locked On Pacers podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is that amazing protein bar company that makes 100% covered in chocolate bars and all kinds of flavors from caramel brownie to cookies and cream to banana bread to peanut butter brownie. The bars are soft and easy to chew. They're great for somebody that's trying to be healthy conscious. They help you lose or maintain weight while those are delicious treat. Tony and I have tried them both. We got sent a, a, a sample pack. We both love them and think they're really good. My favorite one is the peanut butter brownie one, which is 19 grams of protein and only 180 calories. And right now, go to builtbar.com, promo code locked on, 
you get 20% off your order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I texted to you, Tony, during the Pacer game today because I thought it was my first thought, but is Aaron Holiday playing too selfishly? Maybe. <laughs> that, that's, that's certainly something uh, to talk about with him is a lot of – I think I've said this to you before. Like a lot of our praise to him last year on this show and in general was the thing that he improved the most to me from his rookie year to his sophomore year was his ability to know when he needs to shoot and when he needs to pass. And I think he kind of grew through it early in the season when McMillan just totally benched him because he was over 20 or something in the first three games. And in the end, he went from 1.7 assists per game his rookie year to 3.4 sophomore year. He also played like 10 more minutes a game, but he doubled his assists. This year, he's just all, maybe not all shot, but he's a lot more shooting focused like all the time. And he's up, he's down to 2.1 assists per game this year. And he's only four minutes down from last year. So he should not be down so many assists. And that's really propped up by, what was it, 12 he had against the Warriors? 12 assists in that one game? Yeah, he did. So he is definitely looking to score almost every time he is doing creation. Does he have, How many games over three assists does he have? Just the one. He has the, the 12 assist game is his only game over three assists this entire season, right? Yeah, so, he, had a, he had three against Houston. That's all about it. And he had three, three against Portland, Portland and three against Houston and less than three every other game. Well, and they, the ball, and right? that Golden State game, they needed him. I mean, they didn't yep. have McConnell. They needed somebody to pass the ball, set everybody else up. So, yeah, that, and he's just really trying. And look, the way he – I was going to say trying to get out of the slump. Him saying he's really trying sounds unintentionally not what I'm going for. Look, he's a streaky player like he has been his whole career, and he's super confident, and he, he wants to shoot out of the slump. Like, I, I get it. I get why he is playing the way he is, but it's very detrimental to the success of the team, and him taking a step back is, is kind of a problem for, where the, for, for the team. You know, it's just yeah. bad. Yeah, and his problem is is that he's playing with guys who are just, I mean, right now at least unreal shooting. I mean, you know, Justin Holiday's brother McDermott are both. McDermott's at thirty eight percent from three. Justin Holiday's forty percent. McDermott's shooting forty nine percent from the field, and Justin Holiday forty nine point six. I mean, they're just they're on another level offensively, and it's really hard for him, I think, because he probably feels like he is that level of a shooter, but he's not, and and so he has to def- he almost has to like defer to them, right? When they play lineups, and they haven't done as much because there's obviously been a lot of injuries and whatnot, but the, the normal kind of bench lineup of the two holidays, McConnell, McDermott, and Sabonis, you know McConnell's not, not worrying about shooting, right? He doesn't care. McConnell, McConnell wants every assistant still he can get. If he gets two, four points, he's fine, right? And then Sabonis is kind of the same way. Right? Sabonis wants to score, but he knows he's going to get his shots. He's not, like, worried about giving a shot to McDermott in the corner or finding Holiday or whatever because he knows he's going to get his 15 shots. And it's just like Aaron Holiday is the one player I think he was so uncertain, and it's just hard for him. And so when he's not shooting well, which – it's basically like he almost can't be out there at times, right? I mean, we saw that last yeah. year where, where when he finally started making his shot, he had that really nice stretch in, I think, November and December when Brogdon was out and whatnot, and that's what it might take. He shot really well and earned himself a rotation spot, right? He got to like, you know, he was at one point above 40% from three. Last year he got uh, finished 39.4% from three. So he he has this kind of in him, but I he has to almost realize when he's out there, sometimes he just has to defer more instead of taking yep. the shot, I guess. And that, that's what he has to do. Like if he was – you know, shooting this percentage, but was taking four shots and had four assists, you know, I'd be like, all right, got to shoot his way out of it eventually, but he seems to be trying to make the right pass, stuff like that. But it, it feels a lot of times the shot he's taking isn't the right shot. It's him forcing it into a, into a play, you know, he's trying to get, just get his versus like, 
it coming like on a, a kick around three, right? We're like, he has to take it basically. It's like, he's just going to pull up or he's going to push in. Like tonight, it was a couple of times he drove at guys and, you know, he had, he made one layup, which is nice, but, you know, tried to contact, but a lot of times he got, he gets swatted around the rim because he's not that big and he doesn't have any like um, amazing around the rim moves that make him, you know, elite level, I guess. When he was starting, I kind of came to his defense as like, I think he should keep starting because all he has to do is that last starter is score. And I thought, okay, like you just described, we saw last year that once he gets in a rhythm, like once he figures out a role, like, yeah, he can shoot. Like he's a very bit close to 40% three point shooter in the past. Like the shot's not going to be this bad forever. Right. Eventually it'll come around. And from his first start of that game, Warren was out. Then he had that one game. He didn't start through his last start. He shot 39% from the field, 32% from three. I thought, you know, I, even if he stayed in that role, I think those percentages would have come up. But now he's with the bench, and now he has the ball a little more. His shot attempts are up uh, 8.5 per game since he went back to the bench. And they're still not falling, and he's combining them with, with what we have just described, right, the lack of passing or even looking to pass. It's a sense being removed from the starting five. This does not include this Hornets game tonight because basketball reference doesn't have it in there yet. But 35% from the field, 31% from three, uh, and only four total free throw attempts. So – it's just too tunnel vision-y, and it, it doesn't feel like he's getting his teammates involved enough. It feels like he's looking too much to score. He's missing a lot at the rim. And this is something I go back to that I wrote about with him in the past. Is sometimes when he drives, I feel like he doesn't have a plan. Like, he knows that he can get by the guy right in front of him. But once he's in the lane, he doesn't know what, what he's going to do. And he just has to throw something up or, like, default to a tough pass. And it's not going well. Uh, at the rim this season, he's only shooting 50%. That's a career low. So they, they want him to take those shots at the rim. That's the way Bjorkman plays. But – uh, if he, he's not finishing well and it makes him look totally out of place. Yeah. And it, it, mu- it must be hard for him. Cause like his brother basically took a spot in the starting lineup and is doing exactly what you want him to do. Right. He's averaging about 11 points per game in the starting lineup. He's shooting 46, 40 basically in the shooting splits. Like it's just, I don't know. It, it it's tough. And the thing with Aaron, it's kind of like, at what point do you, do you start playing Sumner? Right. Cause Sumner, yeah. And the concern I have is, so you could do it in Milton and just bench him for four games and see if that kind of gets his, gets him back, right? Like maybe he needs a little bit of like, you're going to sit over there for a week and, you know, and bring it back. And if you don't prove yourself, you're kind of done. But like, I worry because he's in a third season. Like if he doesn't prove something this year, it, it's kind of, I mean, he'll have it in the year in his contract next year. But if he's not playing like that, then you're kind of like, it becomes kind of a dud at that point, right? You start to worry about him being a bust. And he at, has shown, I guess, too much flash at the time to feel like he should be a bust. Maybe he just yeah, I'm not going him. that far. No, no, I'm not going that far. But I'm saying if you, if you start benching him and don't play him, then it becomes – he is a bust, basically, right? I mean, it becomes a bust that way. And he needs, then he'll have to go to a different team to prove right. himself. And so – but at this point, he's kind of hurting the team. And that's the issue, right? It, is that if he's such a drag down that it's kind of hurting them in games. Like tonight that you saw, right, the, he's hurting the bench unit. I mean, the Pacers – I think well, – what was, what was Aaron Hall on the court tonight? I didn't, he was a minus nine, right? Um, minus nine. Him and Goga yeah. were the only – were minus nine – and then Lamb was minus five, but every, everybody else was a plus something, right? And so you saw the lineups that had, you know, McConnell or McDermott in them versus him were just better. And I don't know, it's concerning, I guess. And Goey, you have to play, I feel like, because you needed that third center. But like Aaron Holiday, you don't have to play. You have a guy who can play in a spot. You don't have to play either, but I think they should play both for development reasons. But yeah, I mean, Aaron, the Sumner can get development too, which is why that is a little different than Goga yeah. versus nobody. But so like, there's other like turnovers. Aaron Holiday not turning it over at all this year. Far and away career low turnover rate. His usage is at a career low. And like I said earlier, he's kind of a rhythmic guy. He figures things out, gets confidence, gathers. 
the required knowledge to, to be playing at his best. Low usage does not suit him well. Now that number's kind of dragged down by, again, his low usage with the starters when he started for a while, but still much lower than his rookie year when he looked solid. So I think there are, like, the turnover rate being low means to me that, like, he – he's still okay. He's not confident up as the point guard. Like he'll probably have a leash or at least a somewhat long leash uh, until Levert's back, I would say. But yeah, if the shots don't start falling or he doesn't start figuring out how to, how to toggle between, you know, creating for others and himself, I think that, that his role could be in jeopardy when Karis comes back and he, he's got to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, last year it took him about, he, after about five games, he had this kind of run, right? Where he for 18 against Washington, and then he went on this run where he had like double points in like nine of the next 10 games. Right. And that, and that was, you know, and then he had a nice little run in December too. It just, it, it's weird. Cause like, it felt like last year he had finally broken through. Now I, he didn't like, I don't think maybe he had kind of a, not a strong finish to the year, I guess you could say, right. He wasn't great, but he was okay enough in the playoffs where you thought this guy has some attention yeah. or not. You know, he was, it was his first playoff experience, right? I, 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 he didn't play the year they lost to Boston. So if he did, it was minimal, right? First real playoff experience. He didn't look too out of water. He was making some shots. Like, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it was fine, right? It's what you expect from a, from a kind of first-time playoff guy. It just This year, it feels like it's just something else. Like, it feels like he's taking shots away from guys who should be shooting them. And that, that's my biggest problem right now is, is – and maybe they'll start falling and we'll look stupid in about a month from now. He'll have this run. <laughs> right. And that easily could happen. It's, I mean, he's just – he could just be a slump right now, but it just – I don't know. It, it just concerns me. It's something to keep monitoring because, like, if he does this for another 15 games and, you know, I don't know, it, it definitely looks, feels like it maybe he could be heading towards, like, basically sitting on the bench for a lot of games. I think it's definitely a slump and the shooting numbers will come up. I, that's why, again, that's why I defended just keep him with the starters, whatever. Obviously, that was wrong, but that's why I did that. But here's, here's a stat for you, Adam. Ready? Yeah. 18 games this year, we just said he's had more than three assists once. Last year, in his first 13 games, he had more than three assists seven times. That carries through 18 games. Seven times, right? That's what it is to me. It's all just balance of him knowing when is it a shooting possession, when is it a creating possession. And exactly. I think if he can gather that a little bit more. You know, I don't know what is – is. it might just be Bjorkren. It might be all Bjorkren saying, dude, you're good at attacking the rim. Like, keep doing it. But maybe somewhere in there they need to just rein him in a little bit and get that balance back because maybe maybe that is the change. Maybe it's all coaching telling him to do it, and in which case we're being a little overcritical of his decision making. But if any of it is on him and he and he is choosing to to make these scoring attempts as much as he is, I think that that's a problem for this team and a reason that everybody has rightfully now that we're far enough in the shooting hasn't come around yet said he needs to either play less or have a smaller role or whatever. Yeah, I mean. I, I want to hope that he comes out of the slump, right? I, I, yeah. I just feel like he's due, right? We saw a little bit of it against Golden State. Like, I feel like he's due just to have, like, a nice couple of weeks where he just, you know, it goes, what do you want to say, six of nine every night or six, seven of ten, stuff like that. I always like to go six of nine. I don't know why I say that <laughs> so much. But, like, kind I wasn't going to say anything, but. I definitely Paul George one time when we talked about him way back in our early podcast days. Um, anyways, so, <laughs> uh, like, where, you, you know, he has 15 points and four assists kind of night. So, he right. might get there. Just. Tonight, especially, I thought, like I said, I thought he was just played too selfishly. But that, that's just—I mean, I was specifically watching him. Like I was, like I kind of made an effort in my mind. Like I want to really look at him, what he's doing, and pay attention all the time to what he's doing. So uh, that might be me just noticing that for this game, for all I know. Yeah. So we'll see what what's real with him and what's not. Right. He's, look, look, like he's on a rookie deal, and he's already proven to be good enough to like be in the NBA. I mean, maybe not if this is who he is, but this isn't who he is. We've seen him for two seasons, so. 
once we figure out what he is in Bjorken's system, we can assess his future even better. But right now, you know, Karras is coming back eventually. Like, not looking so good, man. You got to step up somewhere. Yeah, and that's, that's what I wanted to end this podcast on, but just giving a shout-out. Um, looks like Karras had a successful surgery. Um, apparently a cancer in his kidney. That's what it sounded like or something along yep. those lines. He's going to make a full recovery. I don't believe we have a timeline yet, but that's a really good sign. Um, and glad they caught it, frankly. I mean, this is something that, like, if he wasn't traded, they might not have found it until the end of the season or later. And so uh, this is really good, frankly, and it's good for him just in general that, that this kind of luckily happened in this weird kind of weird coincidence and fortune in some weird way. But uh, that's good. And um, do we have any other injury updates? I mean, there was – we don't know anything on TJ Warren yet, right? Still nope. And so Simone has played, so no need to update his status. He's already yeah. already back playing. Yeah, so, I, I mean, Pacers are getting more and more healthy, it sounds like. I mean, that's the good For sign. once, they're going in the right direction. direction yeah. <laughs> not on wood, you know, knowing our yeah, no have to be some major injury Friday. So, let's hope we didn't curse <laughs> them by saying that. You got, you got anything else? No, uh, tomorrow's show, uh, all-star voting. Again, we'll start tomorrow. And the G League is starting up. The Pacers actually assigned some guys to the G League today. So, uh, lots to talk about, and I'll cover it all tomorrow. So, stick around for that. And we are going to do quarterly awards on uh, for Monday's show. So, check yeah, out the podcast next week when we're back together for that show. As always, you can follow our podcast at Locked On Pacers. You can follow Tony at T East NBA. Me at Free Madam 5. That is all for his Locked On Pacers podcast. We will see you guys again tomorrow.